0: Word from Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 24. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed into your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, an enemy has done this. The slave said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, no, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. This is the word of the Lord thanks be to God. Please be seated. Jesus' teaching was dominated by pictures and illustrations. The The word parable comes from the, the Greek word parabola, which really means to compare. Uh, it's a metaphor. Uh, this is like this. Uh, a parable is a concrete description of a cosmic truth, and that's why Jesus is Constantly saying the kingdom of God is like this. Uh, A parable is an illustration. It's a picture. It's a a way of taking something as abstract and as multidimensional as the kingdom of God and making it uh, something very concrete and specific. And this morning we hear Jesus continuing to teach about his kingdom through another story, another parable. And once again, we're hearing him compare it and using the, the metaphor of farming. Let us pray. Lord, help us to delight in your word. Help us to be alive, to hearing the voice of your spirit. We thank you for this parable, for the story, the way Jesus taught. And may this story be for us. Help us to listen and hear that we may have ears to hear today. I want to suggest this morning that from this parable, we, we discover three things about the kingdom, three big things about the kingdom through this parable. The first is that the kingdom, God's kingdom, is mysterious. The kingdom is is a mystery. The farmer, Jesus said, sows seeds of wheat into the ground and then goes to bed. At night, an enemy comes and sows weeds into the soil, and the wheat and the weeds grow together. So at its most basic level, this story might be about how difficult it is to tell weeds apart from wheat. For example, there is a plant called bearded darnel, and it's an annoying weed that looks very much like wheat. It's hard to tell them apart, uh, except for right as they ripen and mature. Um, but bearded Darnell can, can have, uh, it's actually a kind of a poison. If you mixed it up with the wheat, it, was, it would uh, spoil it. It, it. If you ate it on its own, it makes you dizzy. It's, it's no good at all. But as the grain matures, it's, it's easy to tell the, the slender heads of bearded Darnell from the fuller heads of wheat. But by then, it's too late to uproot them. Because if you uproot them then, you're going to pull roots of both of them up together. You're going to damage the good wheat. So if we take this story at face value, it, we simply hear that pulling weeds can cause more harm than good. I wish that that was a truth at my house when the, around spring. I wish I could say that to Julie. You know, it causes more harm if I pull those weeds in the backyard. <laughs> but there's more going on. There's more than just a farming tip for weed control here. Jesus says that both good and evil seeds are sown into the world. It's amazing. Into our world, there are good seeds, there are bad seeds, and they can look very similar. Hard to tell them apart. From our perspective, it is difficult to discern. We flatter ourselves. We like to think that we can see what's evil and what's good and discern that, and we have clarity of vision, but we don't. Sometimes the good and the bad, it's hard to know exactly what is good and what is evil. And yet I make snap judgments all the time without thinking. Do you? I do. I like to think that I have that kind of perspe- perspective and knowledge. Oh, well, you know, she is evil. Um, we all know what that group is like, right? That's, that is 100% wrong in every way. We know what he is like. But I don't know all that God is doing. There's a mystery. God may be working in places that I can't see. He may be working in hearts that I can't discern. Maybe there's more going on here. Maybe there's more going on in in each and every human heart than I can see. We can't look at the world and easily say, oh, those people are weeds. He is a weed. We can't say, oh, no, the church is a pure body. But out there... That's all weeds, but not in here. We can never say this. And the church has to kind of relearn this over and over and over again. We keep falling into this trap. In the early church, this was going on. In the early church, there was an attempt to pull all the weeds and excommunicate anyone who was not believed or seen as wheat. And Augustine, one of the great thinkers of the church, um, wrote and spoke wonderfully on this. Um, As far as Augustine was concerned, it was simply wrong for the church to assume that it could be a pure body. Rather, it was a mixed body, full of weeds and tares, he said. The church lived, Augustine argued, not in virtue of its own holiness or that of its bishops, but simply in virtue of God's grace in Jesus Christ. Meaning inside the church, there are weeds. There's wheat. It's all mixed together. And by the way, inside each human heart, my heart, there are some things that probably shouldn't be there. There's thoughts, there's actions. Hopefully there's some wheat as well, but it's all mixed together. That's what Jesus is teaching. And how it's mixed together is a mystery. And what God is doing in the world, where he's sowing, how he's sowing, where he's planting, is a mystery. We don't know it all. We can't see it all. And it's more than that. It's also a mystery in terms of timetable. This parable is going to teach us that Jesus is going to fix everything. I mean, there is a day when the the weeds will be no more, when they will be uprooted. There is a day when he's going to do all of that. We don't know when that is. We do not know. It's a mystery when that will happen. You know, In the the New Testament, the disciples kept asking Jesus, is this the time you're going to fix everything? Is now the time? You know, because now would be a pretty good time. (laughs) Is now the time, Jesus, you're going to fix everything? Meaning, is now the time when those weeds over there are going to be cast out? Get rid of them. Fix them. Destroy them. We want that to happen. And we pray this sometimes. Lord, I'm ready. Is now the time when you're going to fix everything? Is now the time? Now would be a good time for you to do it. We don't know. We don't have a timetable. God's kingdom is a mystery of good and bad mixed together. It's his timing. Anytime I set myself up to say, this is what it is, this is exactly what God's doing, I get in big trouble. Or this is when he's going to do it. In every circumstance the church has done this, it's gotten into big, big trouble. So at the beginning, Jesus is teaching and telling us, there's a mystery to my kingdom. You can't control it. You can't fix it. It's my doing. It's my timetable. And then the second thing we learn is that the kingdom is patient. There is a patience in God's kingdom. The farmhands came to the farmer and they said, Master, um, what's going on here? Didn't you plant good seed? Where did these weeds come from? And he answered, some enemy did this. The farmhands asked, well, you want us to go out and pull them up? Jesus says, no, let them grow together. This is a surprise in our parable. You would think weeds are not good. They're toxic. They, uh, there's no purpose for them. They offer nothing. You'd think Jesus would say, yeah, go out, servants, go out, church. It's your job. <coughs> get rid of it. Call it what it is. Point to it. Evil. Uproot it. Get rid of it. Jesus says, no. Actually, let's let them grow together. Let's, let's be patient here. I, I can see some weeds out there. Maybe you can too, but it's not your job. Let them grow together. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to see weeds in other people's lives? <laughs> have you ever noticed that? Have, have you ever thought your job is to point out the weeds in other people's lives? Um. Raise your hand if the person next to you, sitting next to you, has some weeds in their life. Maybe you've noticed. Maybe you've pointed it out. Our job is not to fix people. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Our job is to love people. All of us have lives of wheat and weeds, Sometimes people prop themselves up in the church and they say, well, actually, I'm a, I'm a mentor on this. I'm a pretty good weeder. I know how to weed. And so if you come to me, um, I will teach you how to do this. And I'll, I will be the one to uproot the weeds in, in your heart. And we're going to do this. And it'll be my teaching. It'll be your learning. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're, we're going to take care of all these things. Um, a much better approach is to say, let's journey together. Let's listen carefully to what the Spirit's teaching both of us. I, I love the story. Eugene Peterson says that one summer he came home from college and he started to have questions about faith for the very first time, some doubts and questions, feeling unsettled. And so he's home for, for summer in, in Montana, and he thought, well, maybe I should seek out some counsel. Maybe I should find a mentor and, and I, can, I, I, I can help. He, he can help me with these things so he says, I, I had approached my pastor first for guidance. And after listening to me for about five minutes, he diagnosed my problem as sex and launched into a rambling exposition on the subject. And he invited me back a couple of days later, later to continue the conversation. I came, but after the second time, I decided that sex was his problem, not mine. <laughs> and he said, I thanked him for his concern, knowing that I had gone to the wrong person. So he next approached a man who was known as a saint in that church, a real holy man. And he agreed to meet with Eugene. And at the first meeting, he said, here's what we're going to do. I'm gonna, we're going to walk through the book of Ephesians together. Walking through Ephesians meant he lectured Eugene for two hours with all of his wisdom on what Ephesians was saying. Peterson said, I had no idea that the Bible could be so dull. Two failed encounters with people who were in different ways saying, there are weeds in your life, I'm the person to fix it. I'm the person to pull them and point them out and, and get you right and fix you. Two different approaches. He was almost ready to give up finding a mentor. But somebody said, hey, go see that man over there. Go see a man named Reuben Lance. He said, Reuben didn't look or act like a saint. He didn't smile much. He didn't go to Bible studies. He, didn't, he just didn't have the qualities or education of a pastor. Th- there was suspect, and probably people in that church might have thought he was a, a, a weed. He just didn't look. He didn't act. He didn't speak the part of what a saint or a holy person would be. But Eugene approached him and said, Hey, could we have conversation? I have questions. And he soon discovered that those meetings that summer were life-giving and clarifying. And then he said this, Reuben Lance listened with a rare attentiveness. I love that. He listened to me with a rare attentiveness. You see, he didn't look at Eugene and say, well, I see a whole lot of weeds. It was, tell me your story. Tell me about you. Tell me about your joys. Let's talk about some of the hurts. And and by the way, I'm going to share some of mine. And then they would pray together. That's a spiritual journey with someone else. It's not our job to fix them. It's our job to love them, care for them. There might be times when we can say, have you thought about this? You know, I've learned this in my life. I had some weeds that I had to have pulled, and this is what I experienced, and this is what I went through. We are not on this earth to fix everything. That's Jesus' job. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. La- yesterday, we had a um, big memorial service in here in Meredith Hall for uh, a dear friend of our church, Cal Stockman. Cal was a, uh, a wonderful man, and he... Really was the impetus behind our foundation. Uh, He did a lot of great work to set up an endowment for our church. Um, Cal was on the committee that called me to Mountain View as pastor, so he had the 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 job of with others of uh, discerning whether I would be a good fit for Mountain View. And during that process, um, the presbytery at the time was not real nice to me. There were a lot of really. It wasn't easy process at all. There was a lot of questions. There were a lot of questions about theology and there was questions about this and this and this. I I wasn't prepared for this. I mean, it was a lot like I kept running into this and going, where is this coming from? And it made me and some of the other people on the committee kind of ornery, like, what are these weeds doing here? You know, you know, and right now some of you are thinking, you know, maybe they didn't do their job well enough. They should have. (laughs) But Beside the point, I was thinking, we got to get rid of these weeds. They're standing in our way. But Cal didn't do that. In fact, I don't remember him talking about any of the problems at all. He certainly didn't say, that person's a weed or that, that blankety blank. blah blah. Instead, he kept coming to me saying, don't worry. It's going to be great. You're doing great. Everything's fine. And I learned from him. It's a better way to live life. We can spend our whole life pointing at weeds, yelling at weeds, trying to uproot weeds. Or we can be good listeners and focus on the neighbor and love them and care for them. There's too many people in our world right now that are pulling weeds. Too many people shouting and angry. The kingdom is patient We don't have to fix everything right now. We trust God. We trust his timing. We we, we say in our hearts, you know, he's got this. There are things in our world, things in our community, things in my family, things in the church that aren't right. Sometimes it's okay. Let's trust the farmer. His timing. Let's be patient. And finally, we discover that the kingdom, God's kingdom, is full of hope. It's hopeful. You know, this parable, like the parable of the sower, is one of the few in the, that Jesus actually gives an interpretation. I didn't read it, but in a few more verses, Jesus tells his disciples, they ask him, hey, what did that parable mean? And he gives them his answer. And he said, when he, he went to the house, his disciples came, said, explain the parable of the weeds in the field. So Jesus said, The one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man, Jesus. The field is the world. The good seeds stand for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy sows them. that sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom, everything that causes sin and all who do evil, and they will be thrown into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Now, if you're like me, I read that. Maybe you're like me. and Now you're asking, how is that hopeful? <laughs> I start worrying. Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, I'm a weed. Maybe, maybe I'm one to be tossed away. This, this doesn't sound like a parable of the kingdom. This sounds like a parable of judgment. This is going to happen at the end of the age. Evil people are going to be tossed aside. And I, I read this and I worry and I begin to think, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. This makes me anxious. But I think we need to look very closely at the text because there's hope here. Robert Capon points out something fascinating about our text and the limits of our English translations. The verb, affin- Greek verb, affinomy, has two major meanings in the New Testament. The first is the one represented in this parable. It's the little word, let. Okay? Jesus says, let them grow together. It's pretty simple, right? Let them grow together is what he says. Um, But when you take that same root Greek word, this is fascinating, and when that word is applied to debts, trespasses, sins, and so on, it comes out in our English language as forgive. Forgive. We just prayed the Lord's Prayer, did we not? This is what we prayed. "Aface, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's the same root. Word. Peter, the apostle Peter, you know he was the one that was going to be the the rock, the head of the church. Peter, we know, denied Jesus three times. Said, "I don't know who you're talking about. I don't even know this man." He did that three times. Jesus predicted he would do it, and Peter went on and do, and did it. We would expect when we're reading this to go. The, the New Testament, we get to that point when Peter's denying, we would we suspect all of us to say, well, now he's a weed. <laughs> Clearly he's a weed. This isn't the way the righteous live. He denied Jesus three times. We would expect Jesus to say, get rid of him. He's not up to snuff. He's a weed. Instead, we read that Jesus builds a warm fire after he's resurrected, with charcoals, and he's he's making fish, and he invites Peter to come over. He says, Peter, I need you to tend to my flock. I need, to, I need you to care for my sheep. I have work for you. And he forgave him. See, Jesus could have cut that weed out, because we know how Peter is, and we know he's probably going to do this. Jesus predicted he was going to do it, so he could have said, No weeds in my camp. He let it happen. And then he forgave him. Do you see the hope in the kingdom? There's hope for Peter. There's there's hope for us. How about when Jesus was crucified? He's on the cross. He's surrounded by weeds at that point. Surrounded by weeds. Roman soldiers, members of the Sanhedrin, Pharisees, Sadducees, frightened followers. He could have, should have, maybe even probably should have from that cross said, you all are weeds, you're doing wrong here. And he could have called 10,000 angels to uproot all of those people, throw them into the fire. But What did he do? He prayed and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Do you see how he treated the weeds? He forgave them. See, that's my hope. That's our hope. That's the church's hope. Because that's his character. That's the farmer's character. We're not called to fix everything. We're called to receive the father's love and forgiveness. And this is hopeful. We focus on his character. This is a good farmer. He doesn't uproot. He lets it grow and he forgives. I've told some of you before that uh, when I, we used to live in New Jersey, um, we had this thing in our in our front and backyard called a uh, a, a, a lawn with grass. You know, all know what that is? In Arizona, you might not know, but a, a big lawn. It was full of grass. And, um, but there was this a nasty thing in New Jersey that would, y- you could care for your grass as good as you possibly could, but these things called dandelions would pop up. They would pop up. And so, you, you know, you would try and get rid of them, fertilizer, weed killer, whatever. Um, you'd pull them up from the root. Um, Anthony DeMello tells a story about a man who took great pride in his lawn. Nothing gave him greater joy than to have the best lawn in the neighborhood. He fertilized it. He he limed it. He watered it. He cut it. It was nearly a perfect lawn, except for the fact that he had dandelions. Every spring, the dandelions would sprout and bear their yellow faces to him. As he sat on his front porch, he tried everything to get rid of them. He... he sprayed weed killer he dug them up called the local lawn chemical company nothing seemed to work finally when he had exhausted everything he knew how to what to do he wrote to the department of agriculture and explained all the things he tried to do to get rid of these blasted dandelions please please tell me what can i do what do i have to do and a few days later a letter arrived in the mail mr smith thank you for your letter outlining the problems you're having with your dandelions. We understand all the things you've done to try to rid your yard of them. We only have one more thing to suggest. We suggest that you learn to love them. I'm so grateful that when our Lord looks at me, he looks at you, he doesn't say, how can we get rid of He knows how to love. Father, we thank you for this parable. Teach us, Lord, how to be gracious and patient and hopeful. Help us live into the mystery that is your kingdom. And we thank you that you're a loving and forgiving God, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. We look forward to the day, Lord, when you will fix everything.